Welcome to the Kingdom Ministries podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our podcast is listener supported and we welcome your donations. Kingdom Ministries equips and empowers you to continue Jesus's ministry of the kingdom of God through resources like this podcast, in-person training, and online articles. To get started, you'll want to download our app, which you can do so at kingdomtools.org. This is a special episode of the Kingdom Ministry Podcast, where we are sharing the audio recording from our seminar on casting out demons held here at the Kingdom Ministry's office. It was number three of our Seven Signs series, which focuses on the seven indicators of the kingdom of God. We want to share our resources with you to strengthen your walk with God. We pray that, Lord, your kingdom come. Let the power and the greatness and the majesty of God Almighty come and be present now here on earth. Actively present, Lord. Invading this earth with your presence, your glory, invading our hearts and minds. And bringing about the transformation that you intended from what you decreed in your will as king, what you desire, what you came to do. According to your word, Lord, you came, Jesus Christ came, to destroy the works of the evil one. And we praise you for that, God, that you have conquered sin, sickness, death, the power of the enemy, and you've granted us authority now, taken from us, and you've given it back. May we use it to your end, to your glory, for your purpose, for your kingdom to advance, and that others may live in freedom from the powers that seek to plague them, rob, kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Equip us tonight for that purpose, Lord, in your name. Yes. Inspire in us uh, insight from your Holy Spirit and, and questions that you want us to have that will be beneficial uh, for those here in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, okay, I, I can take you guys are interested in this topic, and we've been in this uh, period of about... Uh, this is our third one now in this series of seven signs on the kingdom. And why seven? Well, um, really kind of came across as doing my, my graduate work, and it's really been a kind of a cornerstone for me. It's kind of really a kind of a guide for me, also like a checklist uh, to keep me on track, and I hope to keep the church on track. These are seven signs or indicators that Sorry. I did. Thank you. <laughs> These are seven signs or indicators. That God's kingdom is something we can uh, observe now, okay? It's something that uh, gives indicators that it's happening. In other words, that the kingdom that uh, Jesus came to bring uh, is among us and is actively at work. And so there, these are some of the indicators here. We talked about the, the presence of Jesus. Obviously, wherever the king is, uh, the kingdom is. The king has a rule. He's not just you know, a guy that has nothing. He has power, he's been given authority, he's been given over dominion, over a people and a group, over land and Jesus comes uh, to bring the kingdom and to restore the things that the enemy's taken away or has subjected to decay and despair for example, even land, property people, and that was really the idea behind the year of Jubilee too you know, when the year of Jubilee came around I've, I've come to announce, Jesus said I've come to announce that Old Testament concept, you know, at the year of Jubilee. And that's really probably the easiest way of saying that without getting a lot of history. You can you can look that up online or in a Bible dictionary or something. 
And basically what uh, it means is that what, what belonged to someone, rightfully to someone else, was now returned to its rightful owner. Uh, it would return back to the rightful owner. That's kind of the concept that Jesus comes on the scene with. And I think sometimes we uh, hear, and it gets reinforced a lot in church, that you know, really uh, the gospel is about Jesus atoning for our sins, sacrifice for our sins. He you know, gave his life so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. But if you look at the Gospels and the, the, the things that Jesus talked about, he talked about this idea of the kingdom of God more than anything else. He really didn't talk about, hey, you know, I'm the guy, I came here to save you from your sins. And, you know, that wasn't his message. He didn't say, hey, you know, everybody come to me. And, all, you know, a few places, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and we can come to the Father. Obviously, that's the first step to enter into the kingdom. He told Jesus, I mean, he told Nicodemus, look, you can't even get into this thing. You can't even participate unless you first become born again, born anew. And so Jesus comes on the scene announcing this message of the kingdom, and he himself is the bearer of that kingdom. Uh, came, came to basically restore what was wrong, and what I like to say from, from uh, what is, or the way things appear to be, uh, to the way things ought to be, the way God intended them to be. And the, the second sign we talked about proclaiming the gospel, what does that actually mean uh, I always like to say this, you know, if we were to say, okay, we're going to do a little field trip right here, we're going to take a break, we're going to take an hour or, or so, we're going to go down the fashion fair here. I just want you to do exactly what Jesus said. Here's what he said when he sent the disciples out. First, he gave them authority, so we're set on that. Everybody here has that uh, by virtue of being a believer. So now, I want you guys to go out and I'm going to say the exact words that he said. He gave them these instructions. As you go, preach this message, colon, and and here's the topic. The kingdom of God is at hand, is among you, okay? And then it says, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, whatever, freely receive, freely give. So now, if we were to follow the kingdom, we're going to just stick to that. That's going to be our outline. We're going to do it fast, but we're going to do that. And so what do you do when you get there with the message of the kingdom? Do you go just like, hey, man, you know, I came out here to tell you that the kingdom of God is at hand. People look at you like, yeah, what, what? Okay, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, you know, pretty soon security's dragging you off. So, so we talked about what Jesus meant by that, and uh, what, what he meant in his message, and what are some key components of, of when we actually, what's the content of that? What does that look like? Because in his day, people obviously understood what he meant, you know, what, what he meant by that. And uh, so I think it's helpful for us to know that as we proclaim the gospel. So, and, and so we're on the third one now, casting out demons. And the crazy thing about this one is of all the signs, <clears throat> biblically speaking, of all the signs in terms of what the Bible says, in fact, in terms even better what Jesus says, this sign by Jesus' own words is probably worded in such a way that makes it the, the clearest sign about this activity being a, uh, a real indicator that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in here on earth and, and becoming a reality. So Jesus said this in, in Luke 11, uh, or 10, I think. I was getting, okay, see, Luke eleven twenty. 20. Here's what he says, Jesus quoting, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, or the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is near. In other words, when you see me cast out demons, or when you guys go and cast out demons, remember when they came back and you said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He says, uh, he says, when you see me do that activity, when that activity happens, 
you're seeing an indicator now that the kingdom of God is really breaking in. There, there's something that we can tell that it's happening. It's advancing. It's making a difference in the world. This world here, this eternal world, is breaking in and making a difference in, in our reality, in our world. And so whenever we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, which is not a request, by the way. In the Greek, it's really more like come kingdom of God, be done will of God. And if you would start praying that way, more as an invocation, like, you know, if I would say to that door, you know, be open, and it would open. That'd be kind of cool. You know, I can't do that. Let's see. Didn't work. But it's kind of that idea of giving a, a command or an invocation order that that reality, and that's why we're, Jesus taught us to pray that. But not only to pray that, but to live that, too, to actually carry it out. He sent us out to proclaim this message uh, of the kingdom. Not only the message, but the demonstration that message is real. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, this shows you that it's real. When someone gets healed, like, yeah, that, that world's breaking in. And it's making a difference in your life by healing you, okay? It's breaking in by freeing you from demonic powers and demonic influence. It's freeing you from oppression. When the dead is raised, it's obviously a sign that God's kingdom, that Jesus' lordship and victory over death is happening. It's a sign that, yeah, this is real when it, when it happens. In other words, remember, signs are just pointers to something that is eternal later. So we know that Lazarus, he was raised from the dead. That's pretty cool. Pretty amazing, actually. All these people believed and real turning point in Jesus' ministry. But after he was raised, you know, we, he's still not around. I mean, I haven't seen him or heard anything in the news, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it could be. I don't know. But basically, he died, right? He died later. Mm -hmm. But it's just basically a sign, as each of these are. Healing was, was never meant to, to be eternal, but a sign that one day there will be no more sickness. When someone's raised from the dead, that one day there'll be no more death and destruction, that Jesus is conquered, it's overcome. And these, these kind of signs play too, when people are cast out, uh, demons cast out, it's showing now not only the present victory of Christ and his power and his sacrifice over the powers of evil, over all the power of the enemy, but it's also pointing to the future at it where there'll be freedom from anything having to do with evil, darkness, sin, Satan, and all the things that, uh, that he produces or that is a result of, of his activity. So this is one of the clearest signs, again, in terms of this reality being present. And so you can be reassured when, when uh, that happens, you go, oh, praise God, the kingdom of God is advancing. Uh, even uh, how Peter describes Jesus' ministry, very interesting in Acts 10, I believe. He says how, you know, you know, he, says, how I love that. he starts out, you know, you guys know how Jesus uh, was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around <clears throat> doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, for God was with him. And then Paul describes his own ministry by saying this, you know, when he first was commissioned, in fact, it's in red there, when Jesus speaks to him, I want you to go, <clears throat> and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know the exact quote, but he goes, he goes uh, I want you to go, part of it is, I want you to go now to turn the people I want you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, to God. And so again, we have this idea. And then I think another more background issue, I think more of a worldview issue that we need to see in the way we term our world. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I hear the term, and we sing this a lot. It drives me nuts, actually. These worship songs, some of them, when they talk about God in control. Okay, now, 
I don't know what people mean by that who wrote that. I don't know what people mean when they say that. I mean, they could mean like, yeah, hey, you know, everything's going to be all right. You know, he's got the big picture in mind. Uh, it's all going to work out in the end. Just keep trusting Jesus. Or I don't know if they mean like every little thing, every breath I take, everything I do, even if I punch you in the face, that somehow he's ordained that, right? Well, the crazy thing is, is that um, that phrase doesn't appear in the Bible. You know, it actually appears. I, how do you reconcile this? You know, the Bible is very clear. It says, the God of this age, or Satan, is in control. It, it, it uses that word. It says, the God of this age uh, is in control of this world. Okay, it says control of this world. So, I mean, do we want to change up our worship songs or sing about, hey, Satan in control, you know, but God is greater. God is sovereign. He rules over all. That means no one's greater than him. No one's greater than him. He owns everything. He's the creator, source of all life. Satan's simply a created being. And yet he exerts, according to Jesus, a powerful control in the world. Now, whether you matter believe that, uh, I think the way Jesus approached ministry, what the Bible says about his ministry, is that he approached life and ministry that way. He recognized that people were enslaved by something that was more than they were able to control. In fact, one of the great touch points for evangelism when we go and uh, work with missionaries or young missionaries short term or whatever is to teach them about this because a lot of the countries that they go to, people are in fear and feel powerless about uh, demonic beings or what they call spirits visiting them. They just... They try other things, they try these little methods, or they got these little mojo for this, and a little bit of that, and, and somehow they think that's gonna, re but to, to realize that they, God, Jesus Christ has given them power over the enemy, that they can actually speak and make things happen, that they can make that end, that they don't have to uh, fulfill a vow they made or come under the curse of someone else. People live in great fear. I uh, know a guy well from a pastor in Haiti, and. He said people just live in fear because they see when these uh, voodoo practitioners and, and uh, guys, they'll, they'll put some kind of curse on somebody, that, and then they see that person die as a result of that, that they attribute to that, that freaks them out. And so, you know, you go around your whole life, go walking on eggshells and living in fear, and yet they have, and so, you know, if you'd be interested, hey, you know, I know a, a guy that can help you with that. <laughs> you know, he can give you power, that's not going to happen. And you can turn things around. I mean, that is tremendously freeing. And that's what Jesus meant. He meant to empower us. And, and, but so many of us believers, and I don't want you to feel bad or condemned uh, about living fear of this. You know, I've heard all kinds of stories, and uh, if I were to relate my own story, I came from a place of extreme fear, even talking about the subject. I mean, I would, was a kid, I remember having pictures even of Jesus in my room, hanging up, you know, praying, whatever, just that freaked me out. I'd have to take those pictures down. and Maybe it's, maybe it's guilty. I don't know. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I was a little turned. But, so anyway, um, so the uh, topic of it even was so nerve-wracking to me. I wouldn't. I, I was. This is a, such a crazy story. I wouldn't go into a room where they had talked about it. That was empty. People were no longer in there. But there was a sign on the door where it said "Demonology 101" or something. There was a class. You know, at this conference I went to. I wouldn't go through, there was a, like a shorter cut to go to the restroom. I wouldn't even go through that because uh, Joe goes, what, there's nobody in there. And I go, yeah, but what if, you know, what if something's in there from, you know, from what they talked about? And so uh, I came from that place and having no background in this as uh, growing up in a Mennonite brother in church, I just really, you know, didn't talk much about it. 
and, and then starting to encounter it, you know, not by choice, not because I read a book or signed up for it, because I just didn't know what to do with these college students. I was a campus pastor at college over here at Fresno Pacific University now, and um, yeah. students would come to me and stuff, and just start praying with them, and stuff start happening. I think God was just doing it on purpose, just to, you know, change my life, I guess, but also kind of work you over. It kind of freaks you out. So my first experience, I just called the first, the only charismatic guy I knew, and said, hey man, what do you do? I don't even know what this is, you know? So that's kind of how it began, and we've learned a lot from there, and I'm hoping that tonight we can be of service in that way. Um, are you guys, is it too warm in here? Are you good? Perfect. Everyone's good? Okay, good, all right. It's just me then. You're all staring at me. Okay. All right. So, um, the what now in the New Testament, I wish we could get in this, but, I, you know, I had this uh, conversation, I just as I was preparing for this, I thought about this conversation years ago when I was in uh, seminary, and uh, it was actually with a physician. His wife was also a nurse. She was a PhD uh, nurse, and they both had served uh, in a foreign country where you would expect there'd be a lot of demonic activity. So the topic in the small group we were in was about, you know, we had some visiting guests talking about spiritual warfare and stuff, and so uh, we started having this conversation, and I said, well, hey, you know, Jack, did you ever see any of that stuff in, 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 in the country you were in, you know? And he goes, no, no, we just never saw that. I go, how long were you there? He goes, like, maybe 10, 15 years. I mean, I go, that's a long time. nothing, huh? And I thought, boy, that's awfully strange, you know? And I said, well, what do you make of that? And he goes, well, I just think Jesus, and these are educated people, okay, theologically, too. I mean, they're not, you know, new Christians. He says, well, I just think that Jesus did that to accommodate the culture because that's what they believed, you know, back in the first century. And I'm going, wait a minute, are you kidding me? And uh, he goes, well, yeah, you know, like, uh, that's what they believe, that's their worldview. So he kind of, I said, well, so you're telling me that the Son of God, the essence of truth, who is truth, he says, I am the truth. And I was going around purposely perpetuating something that's not true. He's going along with this thing, you know, to, to, to accommodate the people. And I go, so then, what do we expect was the result? Was it, was it freedom or pretend freedom? You know, was it like... Was that real? And so I just, it just made me think, though, about the craziness of some of the, the ideas that people have about this. And, of course, I know with that generation a little bit more of the development of that stuff. But still, when, when you just read the Bible, and I think more than adopting a first century worldview of how to look at the Bible, let's take it a step further and just say, you know, when Jesus was here, he defined what reality is. He, he defined what reality is. And... Lately, I, you know, I, I kind of try to pick up on what's the meta message that we're hearing today, you know, whether we sing it or hear it. But it's almost like now my experience in, in the church as of late has been like just focus more on God, just get more of the Holy Spirit focus more on God. And almost to the, even where people say, just, just ignore the enemy and focus more on God. And first of all, I don't think that works too well for people, um, especially if the enemy is involved. But the most important thing is that it really contradicts what Jesus talked about and what the Bible warns. It, it contradicts his ministry. It con contradicts what he gave us authority to do and to take care of. He gave us something to take care of that. To, so we didn't just have to put our heads in the sand, Jesus, 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 kind of a thing. The idea is freedom, not just perseverance and survival. That's the idea, it's perseverance. It's rather than pushing through, persevering, and putting up with it, he's called us to contend 
and fight against it. That's exactly why he came, why he gave us the authority to do that, not only for us personally, but for other people. And I, I, it's imperative, I think, that we continue to look at his model, what the New Testament says. So with that, let's just take a couple of examples here uh, <clears throat> as we go. In fact, maybe you can help me. You can pick some out. And I just want you to know what's the situation and what did he do? So maybe you can help me. You can just, you know, we'll go. You, some of you take Matthew. <clears throat> I have a few people. Uh, maybe this group here, you take a look at Matthew. You guys take a look at Mark. You take it to Luke. And I want you guys to look at uh, Acts. Some of some up here. Kind of a general thing. Kind of look at Acts. And let's just look at some of these stories in the New Testament, how we, how, how we dealt with them. The ones that I'd like to highlight are particular. We all know, right, that Jesus cast out demons out of people. We all, we're all down with that. We know the Bible talks about that. Uh, have you ever observed how we did it? You know, what words he uses, right? But it's so interesting. We see people uh, today, like I, I, I work with, or I've seen others try to do it, or they suspect something's demonic. They always ask Jesus about it. They always say, now God, would you protect us? Which is okay to pray. Or God, please don't let the enemy do this. Or make them stop doing this. Or something like that. But... No one in the New Testament uses that kind of language. No one's talking to God ever about the devil like that. Okay, what, what they're doing is they're speaking to the devil. And what I mean the devil is some demonic being of power, okay? If I talk about Satan, that one created being, I'll use the name Lucifer, okay? So when I say Satan or the devil, uh, or I'm talking about the, the, the kingdom of darkness, which could be one or more demonic beings. And by the way, how many is that? You know, like if a third fell or whatever number fell from heaven, they were kicked out along with Lucifer, then, you know, how many does that mean here on populating the earth? You know, we, we just don't know. But, I mean, if there's myriads and myriads of angels and a bus of them, I mean, it could be what? One for five person or two on one? I mean, who knows? The good thing is, after tonight, you don't have to know. See, because a lot of us then, if, if it had to rely on this gift of discernment, which I value very much, believe me, we have people on our staff that have that gift of discerning spirits and abilities, a very wonderful, powerful, insightful gift. Really, it's kind of like the guy in a war, you know, who's, who, who's like the secret agent and gets all the plans. Like, oh, the war's over if you know where everybody's going to be, what they're going to do. I mean, it's over. I mean, that's really a cool thing. I mean, there's not much to do except, you know, go do your business because you know the strategy. And interesting, the Bible says, don't be ignorant of the devil's strategy. You know, but I just realized when Paul said that he was talking about him and his buddies, most of us still are. I, and I think I am a lot. I really, really <coughs> am. But the good news is that we can know without being, having that gift. We can know by simply learning how to test it, which is what we, we want to learn tonight. But also uh, about how to actually cast demons out of somebody as opposed to, let's say, virtual deliverance, where you're guessing. I call it virtual deliverance. You know, I mean, I've gone before, you know, different places. I go to a bunch of different churches. So there's people there, like someone will come and say, you know, a young man will come say, you know, I'm struggling with lust or whatever. Right away, the guy praying goes, well, we cast out that spirit of lust. I go, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. What? How do you know it's a spirit of lust? You know, like, did that get confirmed? Did anything leave the person? And most importantly, is there any fruit? Is the guy free from lust? You know? He may be in junior high or high school, and, you know, I mean, what do you expect on one hand, right? There's part of it that's going to be 
uh, part of life, uh, and then the other part could be, now is he in bondage to such an extent that he can't get out, or he can't stop, or he can't uh, control something? Well, then you might have something, but that's when you want to test it, instead of just jumping to or naming things. I discourage you from naming things until they're identified, because then we're just guessing. You know, to me it's like, you know, here's John's here, it's like I, I, I'm looking for John, but I'm over at Brent's house, you know, and I, I'm, I'm at my buddy Brent's house. I go, hey, John, come out, John, you know. But John's not even there. He didn't even live there. You know, it's kind of weird, but people do that, you know, like this generational this or generational. I go, well, let's first identify that, too. Let's first identify that so we can be effective and deal with it and then see the freedom that comes from it. Believe me, the Holy Spirit and using your authority, you will be able to identify those things, Okay. And remember, we talk about names like that. I mean, Jesus uses names in the Bible like that. There was a spirit of infirmity, okay, for example, is one. But again, that's not the name, like when God created him, he goes, hey, your name's going to be infirmity. I mean, that's not a very positive name, you know, like, would you like to name your kid infirmity? Hey, well, you're going to be infirmity. No, it's a more, it just tells about their function, okay, what they do. In fact, in Acts 13, the slave, 16, the, the slave girl in the Greek there, you might make a note in your study Bible, but in English it doesn't show. It just says, she had a spirit of a python. What the heck is that? You know, like, well, that's something to do with Zeus and the temple where she was and did all this stuff. And But, you know, there, there was a name to it. So, you don't want to just go out and go, oh, that spirit of that python, you know, or even if you see someone writhing on the ground, which I've seen, it doesn't mean it's that. Okay? It doesn't mean it's that. And, and so I think there's a lot of things that... Um, we catch, but we don't really, uh, that maybe not, I just want to evaluate the effectiveness, okay? We want to be after the real thing and get going. So have you found some you, you, you want to mention here that we can go to? And can we turn those lights back up a little bit, Kathy? So people can see. And the bottom one, you go all the way up. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's take this one. You, while you guys were looking, if you're still looking. How about the one that, we, we know that Jesus cast demons out of individuals, but, but how about this one? Okay, this is more of a, a, an environmental thing. In other words, we're going to talk about an external kind of a deal. So now, remember when, when uh, if someone find this passage, okay, for me, it's where Peter confesses the Christ. Is it Matthew 16 or something like that? Um, where he confesses, you are the Christ, Son of the living God. And then Jesus goes, that's right, Peter, that's right. You got the right answer, that's awesome. Hey, uh, you know, don't get all puffed up because I want you to know that, that the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. That was the Mark, Spirit of God, tell me. Mark, Mark, Mark 8. Mark 8, okay, well, I was way off on that one. But I think it's in a couple of gospels. Okay, so uh, so then he goes, John, uh, read that for us, Mark 8, while well, I'm stalling here. Uh, who do people say that I am? And uh, Peter answered, "You are the Christ." And he warned him not, to, uh, and he warned him to tell no one about him. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, as he was stating the matter plainly that he was going to die, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, "Get behind me, Satan! For you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's." Yes. So now Peter's actually <clears throat> rebuking the Lord, which is interesting, um, but. He just had named another county. He just named Peter the Rock, right? You're going to be on this confession. I'm going to build my church. Confession to me is Lord. And 
uh, <clears throat> you're the rock now, man. You're the rock. So Jesus changed his mind a few minutes later. Oh, now you're Satan. You know, now you're Satan. <laughs> what I want to point out here is that this is an illustration of how um, Peter, wouldn't you say Peter's the most passionate disciple? I mean, that, that we can tell from what's in the Bible. He's very passionate, right? He's, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll die with you, whatever, you know. And I'll do this. And he was bold, first one to jump in the water. He's the first one to jump out after resurrection. He's swimming to shore. I mean, he, you know, he was all in, right? He was passionate and um, for Jesus. And, but he also loved Jesus, confessed him as a Messiah. So now, just, just take his humanness, right? He loved Jesus. And the last thing he wants is to hear that Jesus is going to die. He, you know, so Peter goes, no, that's not happening. You know, that's not happening. You're not going to go to the cross. What are you talking about? And then Jesus says, Satan, you know, I, I'd like to break that up. He goes, get behind me, Satan. And what Jesus is doing, he's addressing Satan, who's having some influence on Peter. Now, whether Jesus saw Satan there or he could discern by what he said, because what was he saying? It was opposite of what Jesus just said. It was opposite of the word of God. <coughs> it, 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 he, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die, I'm going to raise on the third day. And Peter goes, no, you're not. You know. And he goes, Satan, get behind me. Uh, and, and then he turns to Peter and says, Peter, don't you understand that right now you're being influenced. You have in mind not the things of God. The things of God are, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to... I'm going to sacrifice my life and be raised on the third day. You have in mind the things of man. In other words, you're thinking human thoughts. You're thinking, and Satan is inspiring those thoughts in you. He took a vulnerability. I believe that Satan is taking a vulnerability of Peter's, his passion and his love for Jesus, and now twisting it to uh, get him to proclaim something that Peter really wants, but it's not part of God's plan. He wants that. He desired nothing wrong with that. I, I believe the Holy Spirit shows that Peter was actually hurt by that. He was hurt like, what? You know, he, he didn't mean something bad. He was all for him. He was all for him. But Jesus said, look, Peter, look. No bad on you. I want you to know that you're being influenced. And, and I, I believe that most of us go through life and we have no clue or little clue when that happens. How many times have we been influenced by something that's not in line with God's truth? I think all of us know that because we have these feelings. We feel different than what God says, and we have difficulty to reconcile. So at one level, we struggle with our own thoughts and feelings, right, in lining up with God. That's why we're supposed to take thoughts captive, to make them obedient to Christ, okay? What is the truth? Lord, what is the truth? So-and-so said, the doctor says this, but what do you say, Okay? So-and-so said this. And man, I think we're worse at it in church because there's a lot of crap we hear in church that should be tested. Mm -hmm. Not that what's being said is wrong. Sometimes what's being received isn't as clear as it maybe even the pastor meant. But sometimes we take it in a way that actually will make us feel worse or condemned or that we're not measuring up or keep trying harder or whatever. So I, we have to be, even with Pete, even with me or whatever, you, we got to learn to test things. And how are you going to know, though? Maybe you don't, aren't that familiar with the Word. Maybe, you know, your pastor, he studied all this, he knows all this stuff. How are you going to, like, discern, you know, that? I remember feeling that when we had to write book reviews in college, you know, like, yeah, it was good. 
Yeah, that was me. That was good. I liked it. That was my review. <laughs> you know, so, so what do you do when you don't know what to say? You critique. You know, you're supposed to critique it. You're supposed to think. They're trying to get you to think critically about this book. Is this author, you know, this and that. How would you critique it? I go, I don't know. I'm not an author. I liked it. You know? Yeah. And so then what do you do if you don't know what to say? Well, then you just start taking sections of the book and you review. Like, oh, yeah, I really liked it when he said this. You know? I liked it when he said that. Yeah, I didn't like that part, you know, here. But that's not even a critique. You're not critiquing the literature or the language or the style. And in theology, it's the same kind of thing. When someone, you know, you learn to think critically and evaluate, is this, is this right on or is it not, right? I don't, I don't think we do much of that. But even if you don't have that ability, I believe that in a group of people, when you meet together, you ask the Holy Spirit, like, well, what is your truth about this? <laughs> you know, I don't know how, I mean, this was good for us, so, but I don't really, I mean, I believe this one. But anyway, she comes and she went to all these pastors and asked about where should she tithe, you know? Uh, does it all have to go to the church? You know, your 10%. And some, of course, you know, told her, yeah, you have to do that. But, but the whole reason she went is she felt like God was speaking to her about giving her tithe to us, which was kind of nice. I go, Lord, you can do that more than be cool. So anyway, so she, she did that and she went around and uh, basically was at the church, the storehouse, whatever. So a few pastors said, no, no, it's the, it's the kingdom, you know, wherever God's working or whatever. And so basically, she heard different opinions, right? So then she met with a group of people who says, you know what? I don't really care. I don't, I don't really know the answer to that, but we just want to hear from Jesus together. And then the Lord just really confirmed that he had been speaking to her. And especially when you're unclear, and I'm not, uh, that's just the first illustration that came to mind. But it could be about things in your marriage or decisions that you're making or things like that. But how many times have you wondered seriously, were those my own thoughts? Was that because so-and-so told me that? Or was it the enemy? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Did you just realize that something in your thinking changed or, or you feel a certain way that's differently? And you don't stop like to test it. You know what I mean? Like to really test it in prayer to see what, what could that could have been that source you know what would be at work there and so <clears throat> I think this happens all the time especially for you guys that are gifted in the Lord and have some spiritual gifting that you become familiar with like with revelation or insight or maybe prophecy or something like that have you ever been given a word that you believe is from the Lord or that you received the word from the Lord and later because of the way things were turned out you started to question it they go, oh man, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that now, right? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, but then again, let me ask you: did, did you take some time to actually test it? Because what's the Bible say about prophecy? Test the prophecy. Hold on to what's good, avoid what's evil. So there could be a little mix, or maybe not even evil, just the in-between, just human stuff, right? So many prophetic people I see, they 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 get the prophecy and immediately, like within a second, they go, oh, that means this. I go, whoa, wait a minute, how do you know that means that? Maybe you just got the package, but you don't really know the meaning. You know, it's kind of like the person who gets the tongue, you need someone else to interpret. Not always. Sometimes the person can interpret. But if it's only that person all the time, I'm eh, a little skeptical. You know what I mean? All the time. Yeah, well, 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 well. yeah you guys are all supposed to give me lots of money. So it was like, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Or something shady, you know, like that would be crazy. And I don't know if people do that, but maybe there's a fear of not waiting or whatever. But the point is, Here's an example of a not, hey, come out of this woman or come out of this man. So I want us to just kind of think.
think a little bit more outside the box, okay? Um, any others that you have there you want to ask about it? Yeah, um, Mark, um, Mark 5, or the Legion. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to read it? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, or just not, uh, I don't want to read that's a long passage. Yeah, yeah just. Uh, well, the man comes out uh, to Jesus, and he's been breaking chains, I and mean, nothing can control him, and so he saw Jesus from a distance, and he, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high? Jesus said, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Yes. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again, and then he went and set him in, sent him into the herd of pigs. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. If, if you look at that in the original language, it, Jesus said he said to the spirit, singular, the first time. Okay, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. come out. Didn't come out. Then later, if, is that Luke you're reading now? Luke, no, Mark 5. Okay, in, in Luke it says, for Jesus had commanded the Spirit to come out. He had nothing. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know this too. Sometimes you think, like, it, it, this really ticks me off, okay? I, so I'm still irritated by this issue. Like, if I test and I command anything of evil to come into life, mm -hmm. it should come into life, you know? <laughs> And it should come out right away, okay? Yes. Like that irritates me. That, that's how it was in the early days. Then I'm kind of going like, okay, what are we doing wrong now? Well, there's a lot of factors involved there, okay? Sometimes it's God saying, not yet. Why would he do that? Well, the person's not ready for that yet. They need to know some truth first, okay? Maybe the truth about what's true from God's perspective, or maybe the truth about something happened to them where that spirit first entered, okay? And the, the reason he would want them to know that is because if you just cast it out and, and that person doesn't know the truth about that, well, then how can they keep that from happening again? It's still, you know what I mean? Like, there's an important discipleship issue there in terms of understanding and knowing the truth. And so this example is an interesting one because Jesus approaches it. He says, come out. It doesn't come out. And then he says, what's your name? And the goal there is not like, yeah, my name is, you know, Harry Joe Bob or whatever. But, and they have really weird names. But the point is, is to find out what, what's the source or how did you get there? You know, what I command you to tell me your, your right or your claim or what your purpose is here. And then, of course, the answer is for we are many. Well, you say, well, Satan always lies. Maybe he's just faking out, whatever. Well, if you're concerned about that, say, well, I subject you to the power of God to speak only the truth. You're subject to Jesus to tell the truth. They have to tell the truth, in my experience, in that, in that instance, okay? Because Jesus is with you, okay? They're not going to fake Jesus out, okay? They're not faking Jesus. That's why we're there to rely on Jesus, to reveal that truth, so they don't fake us out. And you do have that authority to get that out of them. Only for the purpose, not of information, but for the purpose of finding out what role is this thing having, where they're from, how'd they get there? That's very helpful. And so in this instance now, Jesus finds out, oh, we're many. But what's so cool about Jesus? <clears throat> Supposedly, in the past, I've dealt with legion. Supposedly. Now, I don't really know. I don't really care. But it just didn't go as well for me as it did for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. So, you know, I, I tried to get, I just said, well, I, I tell you, go. Like Jesus said, you know, nobody's budging. It's like that, digging up that root in the backyard, you know, that one we're working on, Brent. You know, we, we think we got it, and 
we get that big old steel bar and we try to pry it. Nothing, man. It doesn't move like nothing. You've got to be kidding me. And, you know, then you dig a little bit further, and some water, you find out, oh, boy, there's some big ones still over there. You know what I mean? And so for me, I would have loved that. I go, well, come on here. What's the deal? And uh, so I, what I love about this story, it's the shortest address he gives to anybody. It's the guy, according to the Bible, he's got the most critters in him. You know, he just says, go. And it goes. So, I don't know. I keep trying it, but, you know, eventually. I mean, we made progress, obviously, but sometimes it takes a while. Um, and thank God it wasn't 6,000, as the word implies. So, <laughs> um, so that's a good one. Uh, another one in Acts that is interesting to me is Acts chapter 13. Uh, again, a non-personal uh, demonic situation, more of an environmental thing. Okay, so now, this one to me is where, uh, let's say in the, in, let's say you're trying to witness to somebody. You know, you're just trying to talk to the Lord, or you have a relationship with someone, and you care about them, you keep trying to bring them around to Jesus, or, or get them interested in Jesus or you're talking to. Or, even, just as important, if you're doing anything in the way of evangelism, you're trying to uh, testify about Jesus in a group, or a small group, or a setting, or publicly, you're in a mission trip, you're doing whatever, and, and, and you're starting that process of proclaiming who Jesus is with the intention and hope and prayer of leading people or a person to Christ, okay? Now, that's exactly what Paul and uh, his buddy Barnabas were invited to do uh, to the governor. The governor wanted to hear Paul talk to him about Jesus, the person Jesus and the, the gospel. So the governor invited them, and they came in. So there was agreement there, right? There was agreement they, they wanted to listen. And so now, when they get there, there was this other guy that served in the, in the governor's court. His name was Elimus, and, and the name meant sorcerer, okay? Because he was in the sorcery. There's kind of a clue there, you know? And, and he practiced witchcraft. In other words, he was using demonic power to influence people in things, maybe to divine things. For the Who knows what his role was? But the Bible says he was a sorcerer, okay? So now, when they get there, the, the Bible says in this account that Paul is trying to testify to Felix about this, the, about Jesus, tell him about Jesus. But then it says this, Elimus kept interrupting, trying to dissuade the governor from believing, you know, trying to do his mojo over there or whatever he was doing, or maybe he was just incessantly interrupting or whatever. And I always like to think about uh, uh, Barnabas, I think it was Barnabas, <coughs> he had a buddy there, and he's over, uh, he's over the corner, he's probably doing what I used to do a long time ago, when we'd be in a witnessing situation, you knock on a door or something like that, and, and, and someone's talking, you know, they're leading it, and someone's talking, and this person keeps asking these hard questions, or just not going well, you're back there going, oh, Lord, please, oh, Jesus, please, you know. And Barb's back there, oh, Lord, please, something to shut up, you know, you know shut up, you know, shut up. This guy keeps interrupting, Lord, do something, you know, do something. No, not Paul, he just goes, look, hey, dude, I can see that you're full of evil and trickery, and you see, basically, the devil's using you, so here's the deal. You're going to be blind for a period of time. Okay, I have to throw that one out there. You're going to be blind for a period of time and unable to see the light in the sun. And so pretty soon the guy's go, oh, you know, he's walking around like this. And, and it says, you know, interesting, it said when the governor saw that, that's when he believed. Okay, he goes, you know, I was into this guy. He had some power. And he was all cool, whatever. Here, Jesus, I was hearing the stories. Kind of, yeah. And yeah, it's interesting, interesting, maybe more in the intellect. When he saw that, he goes, okay, this is real. Okay, Jesus has more power than this guy. 
and and you just shut him down. Whoa, that was a trip. You know, he's blind. When are you going to call this off? Is he coming back? You know, is he, is he going to get his sight back? I don't know. Let him suffer for a while. But just till I get done with my presentation. But the point of this is, is to be alert, especially when you're doing something for God. When you're doing something for God. I'm not kidding you. We don't think about it. No one listens to me on this. Especially worship. No one listens to me on this. People start worship every Sunday. Oh, hey, good morning. Hallelujah. Let's praise Jesus. No one does a check. It doesn't have to be out loud. But some of the leadership should say something. Look, if there's anything spiritual here, going to interfere with this time, we forbid it. Or you could be like old Carl Santacondia, a big evangelist. He's like a Billy Graham down in South America place. Here's how he starts his meetings. He goes, big, these huge crusades. He goes, now listen to me, devil. That's his opening line. Now listen to me. He actually wrote a book called, Now Listen to Me, Devil. Okay? <laughs> and what I love about it, very much like King David did with Goliath, that's a very spiritual encounter, if, if, if you look at it closely. And, and he goes, now listen to me, devil. Here's how it's going to go down tonight. You're not going to interfere with the presentation. You're not going to do any disruption, you know, that would cause people to be distracted. You're not going to keep people from entering in. You're not going to create a show where the focus comes on you or what you're doing. He gives orders, like the Bible says, Jesus gave orders to evil spirits. And that's what we as Christians need to start learning to do. Now, if anyone understands how weird it is, I'm telling you I do. But I'm telling you emphatically, it's the only model we have in the Bible, giving orders. Okay, it's command. It's not, oh God, please, or certainly never say that. Devil, please stop it. Don't ever. I've heard people do that. That's not a good. He, he's not. He doesn't respond to that well. So, you know, it automatically puts you in a position of being subject, and that's not good. So, uh, you can stand in Jesus, and, and, and literally, I feel like this at times. You know, it's one thing when you're dealing with something demonic in a in a you know 89 pound petite female, and then. You got a 300-pound uh, ex-gang member with, you know, tattoos on him who, who can crush me without the devil. You know, I feel like, you know, sometimes I've literally felt like Jesus is standing in front of me and he's my big daddy, and I'm going, "You better listen right now," <laughs> you know, while I'm hiding. And that's okay. I mean, that works. And, and to let you some freedom about the fear, it, you, you're going to have feelings of fear, and that's okay. It, it's normal. There's nothing, God gave you feelings of fear, you know, he, he did. And he, he did that so we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't do stupid things, you know what I mean? Like get too close to the edge of a cliff or try to beat that car before it comes, you know, across the road or stand on the train track. I don't know what those people are doing. We must have an ep epidemic in Fresno. I don't know what people are doing. But the, the issue is that uh, fear is part, you know, when you give a speech and you, you're not, up in the front, you know, you're not used to that. You may have tremendous fear. You may be sweating and shaking or giving your testimony. I mean, some people literally have a greater fear of public speaking than they do death. You know, they really do. And, and that's a legitimate thing. And so it's normal to have that kind of fear. But here's the deal when you can know it's spiritual, okay? Is it immobilizing you or keeping you from doing what Jesus wants you to do or what you actually need to do? That's the time when you might say, and I would encourage you to say this, because I've really seen the difference in an actual deliverance setting. Let's say all of a sudden you were being prayed for and something came up in you that was foreign to you, or you suddenly felt sick. You knew something was happening in your body. It's scary. You're alarmed. You're going, what's, what's going on? I, what's happening? So your first response is to be defensive, to fight it, right? It, like, or 
to flight to go, oh God, I'm getting out of here. What is this? Like, and people panic in that moment. And in real life delivery session, one of the most helpful things you can do is get their attention. Just you take charge, say, look, I find whatever this, you can be real calm, just say it just like that. Now stop it right now in the name of Jesus by the power of God. If they don't listen, what I do is I say, hey, you're not going to obey them. May the Lord afflict you right now. He's got pretty ugly sometimes. I'm actually screaming and all. I mean, you have someone who's got your back. Jesus is going to help you. Okay? If you do your part first, you stop it. A lot of times we go, Jesus, I don't know what else to do. Or Lord, show me what to do. Lord, will you just afflict them? Sometimes he said, hey, I'm, I'm beat. Can you just do this one? I don't know what to do. And sometimes he just does it. But the model of the New Testament is that he's given you authority to do it. I guarantee if you start out with it, you're not going to get much help. Okay? So when it happens, when, when you're there with someone, the first thing you want to do is stop things. Stop whatever's going on. And you want to get their attention and talk to them. Don't ever let them be on the floor and stay on the floor. Just say, hey, I've had people on the floor say, okay, we're not doing this here in Jesus' name. Command you to be bound. And you help them out. Are you okay? And the first thing you should do is try to get their thoughts back on Jesus. Let's just spend some time worshiping Jesus. I want you to, I want you to be, now Jesus, would you reveal your presence to them? Would you make yourself known to them? And sometimes I have them repeat, can you repeat after me? First of all, I want to know if they can repeat it. Lord Jesus, uh, I submit my whole self to you. I trust you. Would you help me? Ask for help. Now Jesus, we worship you. They can just, you want to free them enough so they can start worshiping the Lord, you know? Okay, now we're going to do this Jesus way. Okay, we're going to do this Jesus way. I want you to, I want you to keep your thoughts on Jesus, fix on Jesus, and you tell me you're having a hard time doing that, okay? So once you get to that place, you, because the, the spirit, you know, like I have this clip I was going to bring it to show. But remember the scene in Wizard of Oz, you know, where they're there and they're trembling before the Oz and the great powerful Oz and all this fire and all that, you know. And Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Remember that when the dog goes in there, opens the curtain, there's just this old guy who's working on the levers, you know. And it's just this old guy, you know. And so I think Satan, he does that. He does the big, I'm the great and powerful Oz to freak you out. And it is freaky. But when you realize that, look at Jesus giving us authority, there's really a, a little man compared to Jesus that he's given us authority over all the enemy's power and you can use that authority that you make him obey or make their consequences then you, you, you have the authority to first stop things because as long as they're not in a place of semi-peace where they're they, they'll probably feel afraid they're still gonna, all that kind of stuff but for them to at least and I believe Jesus really <coughs> makes himself known in that moment where he, you know you spend a little time with that and get their eyes back on you. Lord, how do you want to do this? Well, you just do the first thing. The last thing you want is that to go unchecked because it's just more difficult for them and it'll be longer for you. More difficult for them and longer for you. There were times where I didn't know all this and so I was so persistent like a dog on a bone. Like, oh, we got to get this, we got to get this. And I'd go for a couple hours and then I realized that the fight was so bad with ever really getting into that place then I waited another hour while their body recovered. They couldn't even walk to their car. All their muscles were spent. I'm not exaggerating. It's happened multiple times, okay, where their body is just spent. And they can't even move. They're there, and I'm going, oh, man, that's not so good. And you're praying for the Lord to restore them. Oh, man, their muscles are all shot. And I think he does help them. But we learned something there. You know, we learned something there. And so... You want to have people, first of all, just take charge of the situation 
Because you're the designated authority. You're Christ's ambassador in that moment. You're saying, no, I represent Jesus the way it's going to go. You set the rules and help the person you're ministering to keep their thoughts on Jesus. Very important. Okay? So in this situation now that I mentioned in Acts 6, 13, the, the point there is that for us to be alert about external things that may be trying to come against us. I mean, our relationships, our uh, business dealings especially, you know, before you call, I, Satan has so many opportunities to use other people because they're open to him. They're not, they don't have the guardianship or the alertness of a person in Christ. They, he can pick at random. He can pick somebody who's driving a, a drunk driver and direct their car towards you. Okay, that's happened. That's happened to people. You think, well, God protects me. Yeah, I think he does a lot. He does all the time. But then how do you explain those cases, quote, random violence happening to a Christian young woman or a little kid? Or that car that kills a whole Christian family? Man, I don't know what else to think. Is it just a crapshoot? Is there really, can we really rely on God for his promises? Or are we just rolling the dice like everybody else? Do we have any assurance? You know, I remember one time dropping my son off at the Christian school and a person on my staff at that time, very discerning, could see things of the spirit. And, and I was I had to pick her up because her car didn't work. So I had my son picked her up, dropped him off, and came to work. And uh, we got we were leaving my son. He was like still in elementary school. And she goes, hey, how come your son has an angel and the other kids in the playground don't? The kids in Christian school. I go, man, I don't know, but that sounds cool. So I said, let's ask the Lord. Lord, why is that? She says, oh, because you asked. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe you should ask. For, before God said what? In Psalm 91, that he would command his angels concerning you to guard you in all his ways. Do we pray that? We say, Lord, in Jesus' name, according to the word of God, you as promised, you command your angels concerning you. Is that automatic or is that something I have to contend for? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't just kind of be passive about it. Lord, would you command your angels concerning my son and daughter, our little granddaughter? to guard them in all their ways. We watch over them and protect them by the power of your name. See, it, it, uh, Jesus gave us authority so we could be protected. Okay, but we, we have to use it. When Jesus said, I'll give you authority, all the power of nothing will harm you, that wasn't an automatic clause that you could go through your life as a Christian and not be harmed by the enemy. It would be foolish to think that given how Jesus responded to people and situations and what we just saw with Paul and, 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 and the situations he's in. And try this one on. How about James, who was killed uh, by Herod? He said, Herod uh, captured James and put him to death. And then the next verse says, and he intended to do the same thing to Peter. But this time it says the church vigorously began to pray. So there Peter is already abducted. He's in jail. Angel comes, opens the door to the prison, leads those guys to Christ. He leaves. And the funny part, he's banging on that door, and they come to the door. Hey, I think Peter said, no, it must be his angel. Like, what does that say? What, what was their understanding? Like, you come knocking on the door there. Oh, yeah, that looks like Caleb. No, nah, it's got to be his angel. Yeah, just leave him alone. He's out there banging on the door. I don't know what they thought. Well, what they thought was, he's in prison. That's impossible. How could it be him, you know? So anyway, um, the church began to vigorously pray. It's something for us to consider. Was that the difference maker? Was their engagement the difference between James dying and Peter 
living. We can go back and forth on these questions. People have wrestled with these for years. I would advise the better option is just to pray. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And use your authority to permit those things to happen, even preventatively. I believe the Lord's Prayer is preventive. Lord, may it be that we're delivered from the evil one. When he prays in John 17, Lord, I know you will take them out of the world, but deliver them from the evil one. Okay? These things are preemptive in nature. And I think we should take that stance and be a lot more alert. Um, we could go on every example and look at them. So the areas that they apply, we've talked about some external environments through other people, through other people. Have you ever had those relationships where you just like you had a friendship or some somebody worked your friends, but all of a sudden they're just like weird to you. Like they're weird. They go, oh, what happened? You go, that's crazy. What was that all about? Or some weird dynamic. Oh, just you got to check it out. You, you know, here's what you do. If that's spiritual, out loud, if that's spiritual, I command it to stop. Say, you not use that person or anything you have used in Jesus' name, I cancel. You're not going to keep us from a relationship that God might want that would turn out for his glory, for their salvation, or even just because they're my friend. You know what I mean? Or a boss. You know, even our Michael, our operations guy, he's just all science, he's all skeptical. In his testimony, he just talks about how he just couldn't deny it anymore. Like, he could see the cause and effect of doing this in a relationship that he had with a boss. You know, I couldn't believe it. It was turned out to be totally spiritual. Now he's much more alert, you know, in terms of uh, what he does and how he sees things. Uh, people that have uh, circumstances in their life. There's some people whose lives as Christians are so chaotic, I, it just makes me want to, like, you know, like, I go, I wouldn't want to live that life. It's always chaos. It's always crazy. And why is that? You know, why is that? Has it ever been tested? Is it something that... that is it just attention deficit? Is it some kind of internal problem? Are they just disorganized? Or is there really, I mean, when there's calamity especially, calamity is, some people seem to have a knack for calamity. Their, their family's calamity. Mm -hmm. Man, I would test that. If that's spiritual, see, that's what I mean by you don't have to know. If you don't have to serve, you can say, if this is spiritual, any of this happened. Some of you heard me tell the story about a student I had when I was at, teaching uh, at Fresno Christian. The guy had just come to Christ. It was really quite amazing. He was, he was the least likely person people thought would come to Christ. And the reason I know is because we identified him in a class I had on the board, in this leadership class I had. Who do you think is the least likely guy to come to Christ at the school? So there's all this one kid named Ryan. So we put his name up there and said, okay, hey, we're going to go to work on him in prayer. So we started praying for him with authority, using God's word, whatever. And so after about a month, Nick, who was a, a long time he was here for quite a number of years working with me. Uh, him and another buddy eventually led the Lord, this guy to the Lord about a month, okay? They got a chance to lead this guy to the Lord. And so it was cool. But about two weeks after this Ryan came to the Lord, he comes into my office and he sits down and he goes, Mr. Mark, man, I'm not sure that you know, ever since becoming a Christian, things have just gone terrible for me. I go, well, what's up? And he goes, well, man, it sounded like a country song, you know? <laughs> my dog died. You know, seriously, my dog died. My girlfriend broke up with me. I lost all my friends, and my parents kicked me out of the house. Those were four things. That, I don't know about the dog, but the, other three, the three were for sure, right? And so uh, I go, well, yeah, you know, here, here's the standard answer. Well, you know, I mean, how many times have you heard this? Well, you know, we have an enemy, right? Hey, thanks for that, you know? That really helps me to know I have an enemy. How about you tell me what to do about that enemy, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, well, trust Jesus, read your Bible, pray more. Yeah, good luck with that, okay? So this kid is 
new Christians doing all that. So here's what I did. So, Ryan, let's just ask God what's going on, okay? Jesus, thank you for bringing Ryan to you, Lord. What a great testimony. Jesus, we praise you. Now, Lord, do you mean for all this stuff to happen? You know, I know stuff happened in this life, but really, Jesus, is this supposed to happen? Is this what you want? And then I use the word if again. Are you guys following me here? If, if in Jesus' name, any of this stuff is not from God, I'm, I'm praying this out loud with this tone of voice, I command that to come into light and be made known to him so he knows, okay? And so what do I do then? So I pray that, and I look up, and I said, so, uh, Ryan, um, you know, when I prayed that, can you, what you, is he, you, you know, thinking anything or experiencing anything? I didn't say, what did God tell you? Because, you know, I mean, if you did that to me, I wouldn't know what to say, you know? I can tell you what I'm thinking, tell you what I'm feeling, and that's what I'm interested in. So I said, so anything that you're thinking about when I prayed that, and he just stares like this. And I go, Ryan, so anything come to mind? And he's just like, you know, I go, Ryan. And this guy just wasn't there. And so I go, oh, okay. So um, I go, so in the name of Jesus, it, it, whatever is doing that right now, I command you to be bound. Stop what you're doing right now. I want to talk to Ryan. Okay? So Ryan goes like this. Like, oh, Mr. Marks, that was so weird. It was so weird. I, I, I go, what was going on? He goes, well, I could hear you, but I, I couldn't get out. He kept saying, I couldn't get out. Like, somehow he... That's just what he said. I couldn't get out. And I go, okay. And he goes, what do you think that was? And he goes, man, I don't know. But it's freaking out. And I go, okay, well, let's just ask Jesus, okay? So, Lord, give Ryan peace. Now, Jesus, what was that? What was he experiencing? You know, I didn't want to go, oh, that's a spirit. I, I mean, I knew it was, but it's important for him to know. And it's important for him to know why I got there, right? So, Jesus, will you show what was that? Asking Jesus, using authority. Then I said, in Jesus' name, I command... If that's anything spiritual, that that has to come into light right now, be exposed. And, he, and so then I said, Brian, again, anything happened? And he goes, yeah, I thought about a couple things. I go, well, what came to mind? He goes, well, number one, my parents, their Wicca is their religion. And I go, oh, okay. And I said, well, do you believe in it? He goes, no, not anymore. And I love what he said. I'll never forget it. He goes, I only believe in Jesus Christ now, like that. I go, okay, cool. Can, and can you just say now, can you just say, well, I renounce that I reject uh, anything that I believed or read or was influenced by through uh, Wiccan. I, I, I reject, I renounce, I want nothing to do with anything I've been influenced by through my parents' belief or through anything I might have read, been exposed to a belief in Jesus. So he did that, okay? I go, what was the second thing? He goes, I, I just, this circle, some, this, somebody, girl in my class, I just, you know, I went to Hoover before this and and we were in the lab, and she drew this weird star on my hand, you know, and that's all I was thinking about. I go, okay, you know what that is? He goes, no. And I said, does it look like this? And he goes, yeah, how'd you know? And I go, well, it wasn't any discernment, you know. I said, that's, uh, they call that a pentagram. It's kind of like a, basically a marker, a target, like you know, people use to invite spirits or demonic beings for some. It's just a thing, you know, they, but some people actually use it, you know. And he goes, oh, that's weird. I go, well. Let's just try this. I said, can you just repeat after me? And which is good, so they don't pray around the world or whatever. You just write your point. So he said, uh, I, he said well, if, Lord, if, if this is anything that's not from you, in Jesus' name, I, and he couldn't say it. I, you know, like that. I go, hey, in Jesus' name, stop it. You free him to say what he wants to say in Christ's name without interference. And he said, I, I renounce uh, uh, 
whatever this mark is, any influences had on me, any connection with this girl, uh, blah, 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 whatever. And so we prayed, and then I said, yes, now, uh, if there's anything there that's affected him or has remained or is with him, I command you to be bound. Now, you must leave him in the name of Christ, go. And uh, when I did that, he just kind of goes, he looked up, I go, I go, what happened? He goes, oh, man, I just feel super light. He goes, oh, man, I'm pumped. I got a game that I think I can dunk. You know, I think I can do. <laughs> he really did. He said, I think I can dunk. He felt so light. And that's a common phrase that we hear. And I said, well, Lord, does that mean that he's free of that? And would you fill him now? Very important thing to do after. Lord, would you fill him and come and, you know, uh, infuse those areas that have been affected by evil. Just come and put your presence there and heal every part of it that was affected and, and restore uh, how it's affected his thinking, his feelings, or whatever. And so uh, I said, hey, man, because this has gotten me, got me in trouble at the college. I said, hey, just keep it on the down low, man. You know, just people ask you, you know, what happened or whatever. Just say, yeah, I just got some freedom, man, or whatever. So by the time I get to my next class, hey, Mr. Barnes, I heard you cast a demon out of Ryan. I go, I can understand why Jesus said, oh, be quiet, you know. <laughs> so, quiet. But, so I told my prince, well, he was cool with it. He was good. So uh, it was good. So uh, then there's internal things, there the thoughts that we have, you know, that we should check. Where are they from? You know, you start thinking things or feeling a certain way. It's good to do these things verbally. You know, don't try to tell yourself the scriptures. You know, when Jesus quoted the scripture, Satan, he didn't go away until he said, away from me, Satan. you got to do that part. You can quote scriptures all day, and I call it swatting flies. You don't want to just swat flies all the time. If you wrestle with your thoughts or feelings, you want to have victory and say, now, Lord, if those thoughts that are coming to me or are feeling this way, uh, in Jesus' name, I command them to go. Whatever's attacking me, stop it now and go to Jesus. Away from me and don't return. Now, Lord, would you renew my mind in the truth? And you might recall the truth and speak it out loud. Lord, your truth is this. Even though I feel this way, you know, here's your truth. Could be feelings that you have. Why am I feeling this way? Test them. Unresolved past experiences that need to be resolved. Uh, forms of affliction, maybe on your body, of illness or pain. Um, oppression in some form or some forms of depression. Or let's say you struggle with depression, but now you dip below a certain point. I had a case with a woman like this and uh, we prayed for and she went from not being able to get out of bed and read her Bible, not read her Bible to being able to, but she was still being treated. Because I asked her, so have you been diagnosed with depression? She said, yeah. You've been treated for it? Yes. Has the medication helped? Yes. But in these last two weeks, it hasn't helped. And I can't get out of bed and I can't read my Bible, something to cherish and want to do. And I just can't do anything. I'm just down. So when we pray, we ask the Lord to expose or would you reveal why this is happening? Why the dip? No change in your medication? No. And then with authority, this is the important part. You can ask, you all know how to ask Jesus. I'm not going to emphasize that because you should be doing that. Jesus, why has this thing dipped? Do it out loud with them. And now, in Jesus' name, if there's something that's caused this dip, I command it to be exposed right now so that she knows. Be exposed in the name of Jesus. And so when I did that, uh, she goes, well, I just remember this couple that was over. They used to live in another state with us. And basically, their visit here, the whole time I felt like we made the wrong decision, we're doing the wrong thing. And I don't know if it was them, but they're Christian, whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's just see. It doesn't have to be them. It could be the enemy using them. It could be between what, what they said and the way she was feeling that the enemy took it down. I mean, who, we don't know. It doesn't matter. So anyway... 
uh, I said, well, can we just try this? Uh, you know, Lord, if that visit from them, had, well, there was any influence from the enemy or that was not of you that's affected, it's caused me to be more depressed. You know, whether it was them, whether it was something, Lord, if there's any inroad or, yeah, affected that, that came from the enemy, I reject it in Jesus' name. So she did that, we prayed, and I said, yes, we command anything there to go. It wasn't something inside of her. And what was shocked me, though, is I said, well, anything else coming out? She goes, yeah, it's, done. It's, it's gone. I go, what's gone? She goes, well, I'm not depressed anymore. I go, how could you know you're not depressed anymore? You're like, well, how would you know that? And so I, I thought it was so fast. I asked, asked her husband, hey, can you let me know in a couple weeks? And sure enough, he did. He said, yeah, that was it. Crazy. Like, that was the, the dip. So here's something you already have, like this condition of depression. And you can pray for healing. We did. We also prayed, Lord, just heal her, right? Sometimes that's not the plan. People have these chemical imbalances in the brain or whatever. And, uh, you know, like thyroid or whatever. It's like, oh, don't take that, you know. I mean, unless God's going to heal them. You know, that's something your body needs to jack up those hormones or whatever back to normal. So anyway, that happened to be it. But there's an example of somebody you already have that Satan could take advantage of through an existing relationship or thing. We're just not alert to that a lot. We just keep putting up with it. We get all bitter. Ah, screw them. Then. They're back on the stake. You know, forget them. <laughs> you know, you get a little resentful, like, oh, whatever then. Yeah, we did the right thing. Or, or you start questioning, maybe we did the wrong thing. And then you remain in a state of depression. And, and you think, oh, then everything's negative. Then you view the world differently through these lenses, you know. And <coughs> so here's the promise that of your, what you have authorized by Jesus' words. I have given you authority, and I cut out the weird part, okay? And I'll explain it. The weird part, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. The reason that's weird for us is because it meant something then. It doesn't mean anything to us now, but even if you go to the Middle East now, or, or you know, you, they still associate snakes and scorpions with evil. Some scholars believe that the reference to de certain demonic beings and maybe the snake to loose for himself, well, who knows? The point is, they're all bad guys, okay? That's the thing. They're not like, oh, I have authority of the snake. I'm going to pick up this rattler. I mean, that's not a great idea. Don't, don't do that. Um, and, and over scorpions, those things creep me out. No, the point is, these are, these are word pictures for something evil, okay? Uh, various forms of demonic power. So I left out the weird that doesn't translate to us, and I just, I, I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And a lot of times when I quote this, uh, in the course of deliverance, if you're getting a child regularly, hey, I just remind you, according to Jesus Christ, uh, I'm his ambassador, I represent him in his kingdom, and he's given me authority over all your power. You will not harm me or anyone here. And they hate that word all, boy. They hate it, especially when you know that it's all. Okay, they hate that. They hate that. I mean, I get a lot of cursing and a lot of threats and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they hate that uh, because they hate, if you know that, uh, you, you're, you're on the game. The game meaning you're on track with what Jesus told you, and you just got to start acting like it, even if you feel afraid, okay? Um, so what to do? Some of this we cut. What to do in actual, if you, you've got to cast, you know, remember, uh, I, man, I skipped this part. This is really important. Just this quick verse, remember? Several times, several occasions, uh, Jesus gave his disciples authority. He said, look uh, here's what you're supposed to do. I've given you authority to do these things. Here's what you're supposed to do with that authority. I've given you authority to preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, specifically, that we talked about. Boy, if only you've been here. Okay. And, and then, secondly, uh, to cast out demons. 
and to heal sick people. Okay, so you have authority to do that. So when you pray for sick people, again, there's no example of, oh, God, please heal this person. I still pray that. But I don't forget to do the authority part. So you got to say, be healed, or we tell cancer to leave, or whatever. You know what I mean? you got to use, just do it like he did it, like they did in the New Testament. But he gave us authority to do that. So, when it comes to the casting out demons part, that sign that indicates that, yeah, Jesus is real, the kingdom is here, he's overthrowing the works of Satan, whether that's an external thing or in somebody, uh, you want to test first. That's the very first step, is to test first. Expose, and the goal for testing is to expose if there's something of evil present. If there's something evil. How would you know, like, if you're at work, and it's a massive bar. Everyone's swearing, everyone's putting you down, they're making fun of you. Or how about your kid? You get bullied at school. You teach him. You can just say, with, you go with your son together, or you can do it on, or daughter, and you can go to school and just say, look, if, if any of the, or it's on the internet, if any of this stuff is spiritual, not from God, if Satan, if you're behind this at all, I command you to stop it. We command you to stop it in Jesus' name. And if you see a change, you'll know that it's probably spiritual. Okay? That's how you start learning. And the more you do that, the more you're going to be able to discern things like, hmm, you know, if you start thinking a little bit more like the Bible says, do not be ignorant of the devil's strategy. He has a strategy. You don't want to study them. But if you just look at the Bible, some of the situations we talked about that kind of widen the picture beyond personal deliverance, you'll be able to see there's other scenarios that he works. Do you realize people say, oh, well, Satan's only mentioned once in the Old Testament. Do you realize that? The Satan's behind almost every story in the Bible because of the gods that they worshipped. The, oh, the Bible clearly says in Deuteronomy 32 and, and in Psalms that any sacrifice made to an idol is a sacrifice to demons. Mm -hmm. Even Paul talks about in the New Testament. He goes, you can't be participants, talking about communion, mm -hmm. with, with idols and, and demons and taking the Lord's table. You can't do both, you know. It's not going to work that way. And so there's this association. And behind all these wars is really not God at war against people. He's against the, the gods that they serve and, and the, the effect that they're having on Israel. And so uh, those are victories. Those are spiritual victories as much as they are uh, physical. So you want to test, first of all, see if they say, basically, look, you can even do this. If you're praying for someone, I encourage you, any, any problem you're praying with, I'm not kidding, any situation. Your kid comes home and says, Mom, I need prayer. People are being mean to me at school or whatever. Or, Mom, I can't concentrate studying. I can't think of one instance where it wouldn't apply. Jesus, we ask you to help them. Try to use God's word, do what you promised or whatever. Uh, and, but then always go, you know, if there's anything spiritual involved in this, we expose it and we forbid it. Or if there's anything, plans the enemy interfere or you're caused by something you can't concentrate, I command you to... Be driven out in Jesus' name. The classic is in the at night, these bad dreams. How many of you just, I'm not going to ask you about it, How, just to show hands, because it's fairly common. How many of you have ever been at night, you woke up and you felt like something was sitting on your chest and you had a heavy weight on your chest, and you either could or couldn't speak? Yeah, okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, there's, see, there's already six people there. That is more common than you think, okay? And people, well, what I do, I can't speak? Well, you don't have to. You can just inside you say, Jesus, help me, free me to do it. Sometimes you can do it inside and he does it for you or then he frees you to be able to speak and then you can tell the enemy to get off you and leave you alone, okay? 
But that's a visitation, man. You know, that's a visitation. And say, don't come back no more. Hit the road, Jack. You know what I mean? Do not come back more in Jesus' name. Now, sometimes uh, it, it's more than that. Sometimes there's actually people that are of a different religion. The most extreme being some form of uh, satanic involvement or worship. But even uh, well-meaning people uh, of other religions who are using their prayers or their invocations, even in a kind way towards you, meaning well, can still somehow affect you, we've learned over the years. Nothing by, you know, these are things that are read in a book. These, these things have come out when people come in with a certain problem, and all I'm doing is say, Lord, why do they have this problem? It didn't come in by all these other, you know, oh, I read a book about that once. No, none of that. And so those things, but do you have to not like your friend? Oh, no, I don't want to die. Don't pray for me. You don't have to say that. That would be bad because they're being kind to you, right? They're trying to be kind to you. Mm -hmm. You can just say, I, I just forbid you. I just reject any of that in the name of Jesus. I, I, mm -hmm. I cut off any connection that may have established or inroad. Because whether maybe they unknowingly sent something your way, which is possible. I just never think this is not possible. Again, if you're skeptical, it doesn't matter. If you test it, you'll learn these things. Okay, you'll, you'll, you'll just, you'll know. Uh, you, you can comment about movies or certain literature or songs. I mean, I've seen things I never thought were possible. And why did I see? Is it what I saw? No, it was that they were freed from bondage to that. That was, the outcome was the fruit. That something changed in, in reaction to that. So I'm gonna stop now because uh, I want to hear your questions. We can go on forever, but I, I want to know what, what questions do you guys have where you live or what you need because my goal here is that you become more effective in taking care of yourself, using the authority you've given so you can walk in that protection but also walk in victory, but also for the people you engage with or your work situation or your kids or your environment. There are all people that we care. There are people we all care about. And so I just want to know... Uh, Maybe it's an experience you have or something out. Speaking of that, uh, I'm going to pass these out. These are in microfilm because I wanted to get them on two pages. But I can make it better for you all right now if you want. If you would take that response card on there, uh, take that response. There is a QR code on there. You, you can scan it. And there's also a little link. You can get the app. And the app has all of our resources on it that are easy to read. And you can expand them, too, uh, on your computer or here. They pass you around. This is the, these are just some things that uh, we've written down. Combine some of the ones that I've seen in Neil Anderson yeah, stuff that, that, that we've seen. I think every one of these. Almost every one of these, we have a, a actual story for a few things we've dealt with in this area. So, uh, just for the fact over here, I don't even know if you can read those. I'm too old to read them without a readers, but. Those are just. Some possibilities, and to give you some instructions there. Again, if you want to take that card with the app, um, your QR code. Let me see if I can. Let me let me finish this here. You want to expose it, and then you address it directly. 
by, again, like I did with Ryan, we forbid any activity of commanded to stop. You can use the word bind, restrain, muzzle, whatever you want. You don't have to say bind all the time. There's no magic word. You can just say stop it in the name of Jesus. You know, the Greek word is muzzle, uh, if you're into that, but who says that? So I, I like to bind it first. What Jesus did in Capernaum with the man in church there, who had the spirit that called out, Jesus goes, look, uh, uh, stop speaking. You know, when he says stop, basically he put a, an arrest first. Stop it first. Then he said, I command you to come out. And I think that's a good plan, that one-two thing, because it, it, it prevents them from doing on a big show or throwing them down a lot of times, or sometimes that can still happen, but especially when something's unresolved. But it, it keeps them from hurting that person, too, when they do come out. And if, if you get people, like in the early days, we get a lot of people that threw up. I go, it's disgusting. I can't stand that, you know? I haven't worked in a hospital. I can handle the blood and the guts, but the barf and the poop? No, I was never around for that. I, I always got out of it. I always got out of it somehow. It grossed me out. So I go, I, and I remember this one girl at the college. He's throwing up, she's crying. She goes, oh, I, don't, I hate to throw up. I don't want to do this, you know? I just want to quit. I go, is it because of throwing up? And she goes, yeah, that's part of it for sure. <laughs> and I go, okay. And so I go, Lord, does a person have to throw up, you know? And I go, well, Lord, can we do this another way? Can you just do this another way? You can do anything. So it may be done according to the will of Jesus for her, whatever she needs, like that. And so I said, I command you to leave now in the way that Jesus wants. And I go, what happened? She goes, Look at my arm there. It just came out in beads of sweat. And I go, oh, that's pretty cool. So don't, don't feel like you have to uh, do it a certain way, you know? Um, I, yeah, especially if people don't like it. Remember, he's not limited by anything. So you command them to leave. And I always send them where Christ sends them. Like, don't stay here. I don't want you roaming around in air places. I don't want you like to be next door. I don't want you to go out to my car. And I don't want you to affect anybody else. So I want you to go to Jesus and be chained until judgment. Like, get out of here, okay? I don't know how it works, but the reason I do that is I figure he knows what to do with them. I don't know where to send them. So I, Jesus, I send them to you for sentencing or you to deal with in Jesus' name. And then I say, I forbid you from returning or retaliating against any one of us. Like, because they do try. You can see this pattern in Acts. You know, there's great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then there's this retaliation. There's all, you know, there's, there's a cycle. And you can kind of see it in Jesus' life too. But it can be forbidden. What, what about the time when Jesus spoke in Capernaum? He goes out and they want to throw him off the end of the hill. And it just says, they just walk through the crowd like nothing. What would these guys yeah. do? Go, oh, we're at the edge of the cliff. Oh, let's drop our rocks and turn around. You know, it's like, ooh, that's scary. And, you know, there's no way to explain it except it was the Father protecting him. And he probably, who knows? Who knows what he said or did? Uh, to, to do that. But that's a kind of uh, a, a protection, I think. So forbid them returning or any retaliation against you. And then I like to cover and seal them. Basically, said, some form of protection. It's not just another word for, Lord, please protect them and, and seal those areas that are vulnerable so they can't be seen or accessed so that they can heal. You know, that's why you put a Band-Aid on things so it's contained, so they can heal, so that germs don't come in there and attack it and so it can heal properly cover their vulnerable areas. And then I always like to ask Jesus to fill and restore every part of them that was affected uh, to, to infuse them with this Holy Spirit, to bring life, to bring his presence there, and to restore them, okay? Now remember, there's a couple of misconceptions about deliverance. And remember, you're thinking your questions. 
One is that when people come here, they think they're coming in for the drive-through. You know, like, okay, I'm just gonna go through the car wash, I'll be all clean, I'm gonna come in one time. You know what I mean? And I wish it worked like that, maybe it's just me, I'm not that good, I don't know, but our experience is that it, it doesn't always work like that. Sure. And you know the times it is like that more frequently is out on the mission field. It's a lot, boom, boom, boom. The purpose is different. You're there for evangelism. Show the power of God, some people believe you're free. Now, mostly people in church though, or others that, that, that come here, it's, it's more than one time and a lot of them be disappointed. So if you go, oh, I, I had deliverance once, doesn't mean you're done, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's like sanctification, really. And I don't really see it that much different. I mean, you got a malevolent being, like, doesn't make you a bad person. I honestly don't believe. Well, number one, for this reason alone, the Bible actually never uses the word in the original language, possessed. And I think it's a very poor word to use because when you say, oh, that dude's possessed, what do you think? He's whacked. He's crazy. He's nuts. Like, stay away, right? Like, it's so bad. But even the man that you reference with Legion, most demonized man in the Bible, cutting himself, breaking chains, superhuman strength. It's so interesting. That story starts with, this guy runs out to meet Jesus. Now, what pack of 6,000 or however many demons this guy had, a lot of critics, is going to run toward Jesus? Hey, how you doing? We always wanted to meet you. You know, it wasn't like that. It's like everything in that guy that was going, but they, they, my thing is what I've seen in real life, some very broken people have really had a lot of demonization. How do they end up finding me? You know, at the college, people go, how do you find these people? Believe me, I'm not looking for them. They didn't, I, they didn't find them. They come in for simple things like, uh, can, I, can I know your God and still take revenge on my dad? I go, I don't see why not. Let's ask him. And that's when Steve starts still happening. No, or I have this problem. Or should I come out for, I want to be in student ministries. Okay, well, let's ask Jesus if that's right for you because you're carrying like 22 units and you're in student leadership and you want to do this. Let's ask God. Boom, stuff happens. You know, then it leads from there. I go, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you're there, but now with people like the Ryan kid, hey, what's wrong here, Jesus? Why is this guy having all these problems? Boom. It was just a simple test. And I'd encourage us to do that just a lot more with people. And you don't have to get all weird. And, you know, because if you start going around throwing the devil's name around, which you don't have to do, or saying that to people, they're going to think, oh, you're just on another thing. But you can just casually test it with people, even in your prayers. You know, if there's anything involved here that's not of God, we expose it. And then we just ask them if anything's going on if it's not obvious. Sometimes it's obvious. I'm sitting at a restaurant with a college student with a guy and he's having a hard time. He's embarrassed. He, he wants to say this word. He's struggling with lust, that, you know, which most guys would say. But he's, uh, you know, I just I don't know how to say this. I just really struggle with, you know, he couldn't say it. And he goes, lust. And as soon as he did that, he went on a full-on manifestation in the restaurant. He's flopping around in the booth, and I'm going, in the name of Jesus, you know? It's like, this is not, this is really, how am I going to explain this? You know, okay, in the name of Jesus, stop and so then we finally got out in the van. Now he's flopping the back of the van. I was like a fish just flopping back there. You know, it's crazy. I'm driving this van in the name of Jesus. crazy. So, I mean, that, that was a more obvious time, right? It was crazy. Yeah, it's kind of been a weird journey, but fun. Okay. And, 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 and you know what the crazy thing is about the fear? I mean, unless I'm completely unaware, I've not had any visitations or weird experiences at night or even one of these dream things, you know, and, I'm not asking for them either, but I, I don't want them. 
But, you know, I think if you stay on it, you keep using your authority forbidding that kind of stuff, I think, you know, the Bible tells us about we can you give sleep to those he loves and uh, uh, that kind of thing that we don't have to put up with that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So, okay, now your questions. You need questions. Come on, you guys. You've got to have questions. Yes. Hi, Keith. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. So good to see you again. Me too. So, um, that's actually why I Okay. And he casts them out. Good for him. That's awesome. Well, we were having, I actually called Robin, but I was just learning there was rocks in my second bedroom. We found a bunch of amethyst and crystals. Oh, wow. And I was in the room, you know, taking things and using the same verbiage. Yes. Things start falling out of the closet. Yeah. And I was like, oh, heck no. You know? Yeah. It's, you know? And um, so the question is we got rid of the rocks. Yes. Because I don't know what's on them. Yeah. Because we got them from, I don't know where we got them, but there was just something about the rocks. And then it's crazy because after that happened, as I was rebuking with my son, um, magic cards started flopping out. Different signs on them. I don't know how we got those. So we got rid of the cards. The question is objects like that, are we able to have the authority to tell the spirits to leave those things? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I've had another incident with that. Yeah, I thought, oh, that's impossible, you know, uh, kind of thing. And um, it cause and effect deal for sure because. First of all, I mean, that was good what you did. So are you telling us that when you prayed, let's say, with Robin, that the thing about the rocks was a deal? See, and that's a great thing to do. So we're, in that case, what you're doing is saying, okay, Lord, you're going to the Lord, you're inquiring the Lord, Jesus, why is this happening? Okay? Holy Spirit, will you reveal it? And at the same time, using the authority, if there's anything going on we should know about, we command it into the life. So they did that. And so you thought about these rocks. And then the question is, okay, where did he get the rocks, whatever? A lot of times, let's say you have a, you went to Africa, you come back with some expensive item, pay $1,000 for whatever he's seen. Uh, sometimes you don't have to get rid of stuff. People have automatically said, we're going to get rid of it. Uh, you know, now demons aren't confined to the thing, okay? They're usually used as a connection point. Yeah, some kind of a connection point. And, and so it's good to not have those objects there or just pray, you know, them in Jesus' name, we even take some oil as a sign that they recognize it and just say, we consecrate this now as an object under the Lord, you know. Except I found, this there was an incident we had in Canada that was kind of right. We were asking the Lord about this because my son-in-law couldn't sleep in this room. He was there helping me speak and do this stuff. And we prayed about it. He goes, I think it's this object in this room. So I called a friend of mine. She ever seen this before, sent a picture. She had been involved in the occult and uh, was discerning. She goes, yeah, that's only time I've ever seen it was used in occult kind of stuff, you know, and I go, okay. So then, because when we prayed, the word devoted things came to my mind. So basically the bottom line is that in the Old Testament, the Lord had people destroy things that were devoted and only used for ritual things, right? And so in that case, I think it's probably good to destroy them rather than just throw them away, like burn them or whatever. But the point is that it's a connection point. So let me ask you this. When you got rid of them, did the stuff stop happening? 
It did. Okay. Okay. And things stopped happening. Okay, great. Well, That's a great question. And see, here's what I would do with that. I'd say, let's find out. So here's what I would do. I would just say, Lord, you created the rocks. These are beautiful. I'd actually like to keep these, but whatever you say. And Lord, right now, just as a sign of your, that they belong to you, that's what oil is for. This belongs to you. I'm going to mark these with some oil that you've consecrated and say, these are now uh, a thing of beauty. Uh, that God made, and I'm, I'm going to save them. Now, any spirits associated with this or connected or using them as some connection point, whatever they're used for, we cancel all that crap out. We command you to go, and you can even say crap, by the way. And, and we command you to leave. You can't use them more because now they're a thing of beauty that God created. And really, the whole story of the Bible is God redeeming stuff like that. Look what he did to us. Mess before, consecrated, now we're created with glory and honor and given authority and, and so I try that first and if things change you go oh you're good to go okay if things don't change then I think well maybe we got to toss them maybe they were devoted or something but I'd start with that but what insight from a kid to even ask that question how old is he nine oh lord jeez I failed my children I think <laughs> so the other thing I would try and I'm going to give you guys all a card tonight because we keep seeing this more and more too uh, and it's on the app um, it's just an intervention when you suspect occultic things like that. I want you to try it in your home too, again, verbally out loud. But um, And there's a longer teaching of that, I think, on our website uh, that kind of gives a background. I didn't actually write it. Someone gave it to me because I couldn't figure out what was going on one time. And a psychologist friend of mine goes, hey, try this. So I don't even know who the author is. It's in my book too, chapter 22, so... Oh, good question. Any, anybody else? So, yeah, those are kind of a poltergeist experience, something in your house where weird stuff's happening. I'm glad to hear it stop. And then to re-consecrate your house, Lord, we invite you. Only you are welcome here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she was saying, you got to be careful what you bring into your house. Yeah. Dream catchers, I mean, people that have gone off from the occult. Yeah. They say you got to, you bring it in, you're, it's like a, like a gateway. You open a little door. Mm-hmm. into your house and and also i want to ask how would you tell people uh, that experience demonic dreams to handle that yeah how do you deal with something like well, that? well again i'd start with number one i'd say you know meet with the lord right and say lord what are these dreams about like part of them can be just your psychology you saw a bad movie the night before or a week before um some of it can be demonic some of it can be a warning from god so uh Dreams are generally the ones that God gives are a warning. The ones that are disturbing you and robbing you sleep and, and, and you wake up upset. Sometimes, and people I pray would turn out not to be dreams at all. They'll wake up, for example, scratches on their body or they will um, be shaken by it in such a way that they're sweating or whatever, still thinking it's a dream. They need to test it. They go, oh my God, that wasn't a dream, you know? So first of all, I want to say, Lord, what was this dream about? And then if there's anything in you, we command it to be exposed in Jesus' name. And we command it to stop, no more. That would be my first thing. In fact, this happened uh, uh, just a little while ago when we were at Youth with a Mission. 
uh, one of the leaders there was having these dreams. And so uh, we prayed. And I said, let's do this the first night because we're here all week. So he did that, what I just said. These are the dreams of God. I command them to stop. They will not return in Jesus' name. So then next night, next day, I go, Greg, what happened? He goes, yeah, I still had a dream like that. And I go, okay. So let's try this now. So uh, we got other people praying in agreement, praying over, pray, prayed in his room, still had them. So I said, okay, the third night we're going to try this. This card I gave you here, we're going to try this. And, and he goes, well, why that one? And he goes, well, I'm just experimenting see what this is. And mainly it's for your benefit, okay? Because every night we prayed that even though he had the dreams, he'd be protected and not affected by them. But he, just so he would know, okay, because I really wanted him to know this. I'm a little of a mad scientist, by the way. But so, uh, so we prayed that, and it stopped, okay? But what that does is cut off. So basically what that told us is that someone is intentionally, from all these countries he's been in, and done ministry. We've seen healing, deliverance, people, lots of people coming to Christ. Someone now is sending spirits intentionally to the guy. They're assigning them to him, okay? So we concluded that's what was happening. Then he goes, well, why would anybody do that to me? Why would they target me? I go, you got to be kidding me. You're a leader at You've had a bunch of schools in here. You know why for into it. You cast out demons. You free people. You teach about the kingdom all the time. You want to be a, go to seminary, be a, a more learned Bible teacher. Really? I mean, like, who else would be? You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's what I heard too from different brothers that got out of the occult. The, the more you do for the Lord, they'll send even a bigger demon to attack you. It can happen, yeah. But I don't think you have to live that way. I think if you just regularly use your authority, you know, I don't sit there and go conscious, oh, is, which one's after me now, you know? Um, I, I don't live that way. Um, I think I just regularly, it's a part of my everyday prayers, you know? Um, and I, I think we don't have to worry about what they're sending because, you know, he's given authority over all the power. So bigger, smaller, doesn't matter. And then we feel like if something doesn't resolve, that's the clue, I think, with this card thing that you, you pass that out. But I'm just afraid if I pass out right now that you just can all look at it. But um, that, uh, that that's my concern. If you keep trying things and nothing changes, that could be, I would try that. Okay, to me that's kind of like dropping a bomb, bomb or something. Just see if that makes a difference. Then you pretty much have a clue that someone is maybe intentional towards you, you know. And again, um, I always pray. But I think it says it in it because we advise it, but, so that they may know that Jesus is Lord. You know, hopefully find salvation or whatever, and stop doing that. But that they just keep bouncing up against the same wall. Some of you in here could make comments or have experience too. So, any uh, Mary, you have a question? Or? Yeah, I've been noticing in the church that a lot of people say that if you're working for God, you should be, expect to be attacked, or if you got rid of certain little demons, a bigger demon comes. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think people comprehend that. Yeah, or to forbid it from happening. I think you're right. Yeah, I actually had a pastor's son on staff here for a while, a great guy, but he really grew up with that mentality, like, you know, expect you to do something for God, there's going to be a payback or retaliation of the enemy. I go, so when you think about that, what do you do about it? And he goes, oh, you just got to persevere through it. 
And I'm going, boy, no, no way, you know? And that's the last thing I, I think that you should try to do is to say, I got I to gotta persevere through it. When we get to the sign on suffering, I know everyone's going to come back for that one. <laughs> okay? I'm already planning to be here like some nights with me and my wife, okay? And Carrie, the three of it. That's going to be a huge one. But the Bible does make a clear distinction between suffering and persecution. And most Christians don't make that distinction. They don't understand that. Even putting up with things that the enemy throws at them as a form of suffering for Christ, which it's not. You're just being abused. And so to have that sense of, again, just by going, hey, if any of this crap that's happening, Lord, I accept whatever you want. And if the Lord's in it, then it's supposed to bear some fruit. Lord, help, help me. I pray, Lord, help me cooperate. I want to, I want to, you know, if this is you, I want to cooperate and I want to see some change from it, right? Like, I mean, that's why you're doing this. God disciplines those he loves. We, we learn patience through suffering. Is it, if this is that plan, then I want to be on that plan. You know what I mean? The, the, the one that's suffering for Jesus or is persecution for following Christ or that, that, that thing that refines us. Okay, yes, I'm down with that. But no, really, not at all. I'm fine. No, don't do it. Only if it's going to help. But so, but if it, but now it's saying that same prayer again, always with authority. But if any of this is not from God, that's not that's not for His glory, for for my benefit, or fulfill His purpose, then no, I say no. If I forbid it in the name of it's not going to happen. We, we I reject it. I want none of that. Okay, and I, I think you're right. There is a. Ah, there's just a lot of weird things. And I've even heard people say, well, I don't think you talk about it because you're just giving the devil credit. And I go, what? I mean, Jesus is giving the devil credit in two of his prayers and all throughout his ministry, if, he, if that's what you call it. I mean, just mention his name, not giving him credit. You know, it's saying, hey, here's what's happening. Oh, we don't want to mention that Joe did it, even though Joe did it, because we don't want to mention him. We don't want to give him credit. No, he's the one to blame. You know, it's like, it's his fault. Any other questions? Comment? Yeah. Uh, it's, it concerns the spirit of unbelief. And uh, I think it's a lot more pervasive than we talk about. I wonder what you think about the extent of unbelief. Because uh, we saw what happened in nation Israel mm -hmm. because of unbelief. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were just. Uh, okay, in the New Testament, though, in the New Testament times, we see a lot of unbelief. In today's world, we see unbelief everywhere. I see unbelief in people who go to church yeah. and call themselves believers mm -hmm. and they don't believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, I have wondered, what to what extent do you think that a, a demonic oppression sets in in these people uh, that can carry it with a with a good cover, you know, without exposing themselves, mm -hmm. but are really under the guise of unbelief. And yeah. we know that that is a pretty bad thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what's tricky about that? I don't know what you guys think about this, but uh, that and other things are so common to us. You know, we all struggle at different times with unbelief. You know, you pray for someone to be healed and they're not healed, and you start going, oh, man, you know, like, what is that? You know, I, I even used the authority, and I was believing, and nothing happened. And that, that kind of works you a little bit. You know what I mean? You start, even though you keep going, no, God heals. He commissioned me to heal. He gave me authority to heal. He told me to heal. And then I go, okay, well, what's your problem? He was like, you know, but that's an issue that I think can inspire. So here's what I'm saying. It's kind of like when James talks about sin. You know, it talks about, first of all, sin starts with desire, and then what's conceived leads to sin, right? I think there's this kind of a progression that's really subtle for Christians, like unbelief or other things. First of all, you start getting disappointed about something, about your life 
or about the way things you thought should be or even what you thought God will. You start getting disappointed. Maybe you start verbalizing that, whether in prayer or maybe not in prayer, just to other people. You just basically start griping, you know, or complaining, which I'm an expert at, okay? I do. You can ask my wife. <laughs> so you complain about things, you know? You get negative. And so then pretty soon, let's say, depending on, again, where these unseen things are, you know, who knows when they're around, when they're not around, okay? So depending on that, there can be something like, oh, okay, well, that's his vibe, you know, because I, I really, we've tested this a bunch of times. They can't read your mind. They're great at observing you, and you can tell or you can hear when things, you know, people are bummed out or whatever. You come along, you start promoting that a little bit more. Now he's taking advantage, you know, oh, yeah, that's never going to work. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. Mm-hmm. Nah, I tried that crap. It doesn't work, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so in that way, I think, yeah, there's a deception or even the cynicism about the world. You know, you, you see the news and you immediately go, oh, this world's terrible. And instead of praying, you know, for our leaders and authorities, we Chris that we bag on them where we, oh, look at that loser. I mean, I do it too. I talk to the TV. My wife goes, you talk, oh, what a loser. Oh, I can't believe that person did that. They should shoot that person. I mean, seriously, for the evil they did to that kid. <laughs> you know, they abused that kid. They, what's wrong with those people? You know, why are they even alive? I mean, I'm being honest with you. And, and you know, then you start getting you start getting bitter about things, and then the enemy starts taking advantage of it. Then you don't even want to be around people, or you think everyone you know, is like that, or you get you get. I just think that's kind of the process. Uh, that I mean, that's it. But I think it's pervasive that unbelief affects us all, especially the areas we were hurt or disappointed in. So you believe that that can actually get into a born-again believer, that oppression? Oh, of course. Yeah, okay. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, I. You know, I, I'm at the point, I used to be more careful about it now, but I don't care if people disagree with me, but I basically see now, look, if, if you don't think a believer can be affected by a demon or demonized, demonized. have one in in them, I say you've never done deliverance. Hmm. I mean, it's, uh, and the worst thing is to believe that and not test it, because once you test it, I don't want to advocate people go looking for demons, try to cast demons out of Christians. That's why I always advocate, let's test, ask the Holy Spirit to show, reveal it, and then command it in the light, and then you can go from there. In fact, Steve just told me about our story. <laughs> Steve, tell me about that story. You got to tell him. I can tell if you don't want to. But... So we were at a, at a YWAM. Can you step in so everybody can see it? Yeah. So we were at Steve's a on my board. He's traveled with me in ministry all the time. Uh, at a YWAM deal quite a few years ago, and one of the, one of the students had asked, kind of facetiously, but he asked, he said, so can demons live in Christians? He goes, I don't believe that that's true, but I don't really know. So Keith tried to answer his best, but he was still pretty skeptical. So after after Keith finished speaking, we always had this time where we would, Keith would ask if anybody needed prayer, we would invite him to the front, and there would be several of us to pray for these folks. And so... He came up and said he wanted prayer, and I said, well, what, you know, what do you want? And, and he goes, well, I'd just kind of like to know for myself about that, you know, about the question I asked. If, you know. And I said, well, okay, that's pretty easy. So, simple thing, we just asked. And I, I said, so, Lord, what about that? And this thing rose up in him and, and spoke, you know, in a demonic voice that was very apparent. Keith had his back to the guy. <laughs> so Keith I was in another group. He was in another group praying, and I was praying for this guy, and this, you know, demon kind of manifested a little bit. And Keith turned around and he goes, 
Well, I guess I'll find that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was so funny because I could, all I could hear Steve is get louder because he was in the group. He goes, who are you in the name of Jesus? And this kid goes, hatred. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was talking to Steve. Goes, Steve, was that the same kid that asked that question you know, about the demon? And he goes, yeah, that was him. I go, well, I guess he got an answer. <laughs> So it, it came pretty apparently clear to, to that young man that, yeah. that, you know, that things can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. I'm sure we could go on forever. Uh, yeah. Yep. Sure. Um, about a year ago, um, I was reaching out to a young gal. She's a fairly new believer, and she's had many struggles in life and abuse. And I had she and her sister over that uh, Friday night, and Swim, dinner, and so on and so forth. Well, that night, I had a dream. Um, and in the dream, I was having, you know, sexual relations with my father. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, and I'm like, where, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. This is not me. This is not, not, I've ever, not, you know, I don't want this. I've never seen Yeah, of course, this. it's bizarre. Yeah. Right, it was very bizarre. And I just prayed and went back to sleep. And the next morning, I really thought about it. I have your book. I used your book and grabbed a young lady who was living with us at the time and we just went around and prayed through my house. I remember, you know, asking God, you know, trying to help this young lady, you know, what kind of abuse that she had. Some people, I'm not saying you, some people can reveal an unconscious memory that seems so bizarre to you. Some people, I mean, some people that that's happened to in real life would react the same way you did. They go, there's no way, it's not, whatever. So I would test that for sure because it's something that the Lord that's coming up that should be healed. The second thing, if it is demonic, you can, you know, in Jesus' name, if that was demonic, forbid it from ever happening again. And Lord, would you cleanse me from the effects of that and all that kind of thing. Uh, and so that's again just start start with the testing and if there is anything there that I should know about whether it's with your father or not sometimes dreams obviously as you know people in our dreams can be different but they represent something or someone so uh, I would test and say Lord is it, he shows us any significance to this dream we ask you to reveal it uh, does it mean anything or was it just an attack we command a light if there is something there in Jesus name it must be exposed and that that's where I would start. If if you would come in the office, that's the exact same thing I'd do. And and you can do that at home or whatever. And that way you can test me. If you keep doing that and it doesn't stop, then it's important to go to the root of that, you know, which is something that uh, you can learn to do too. Ask the Lord to take you to the root of it. It also may be this thing I gave you the card for that maybe people may be sending some things to you, the gray card. Uh, and you can try that and just Cut that off too, you know, to get you so you start freaking out or start worrying about it or whatever. So, hey, our time is up, and I don't um, want to rush things, but I, I know you probably got to go. Uh, the uh, if you have, there's a response card on there. Remember to get that app because all the research. In fact, everything we put out goes to that app, and there's a fee that you can look at, which is good. So, 
all the Facebook posts, all the everything posts. So if you want everything in one place, it's there. And we always have our phones with us, so it's nice if you need some of these resources, you lose that little card or the paper, you'll find them on there on our website. And I just want to pray for you before I go. If you felt like something came up tonight or something comes up, um, tonight's not really the setting for that, but you can always call, make an appointment. We'll set you up with somebody to test something out if you keep experiencing something. Or some of the areas on that inventory, I'd like you to look at that. Uh, I kind of made it in such a way that you could check things off and write down the frequency. That's important, too. Uh, so if you have some concerns about some of those things and you want to get that tested out, uh, I will I will give you John Erickson's number before you go. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, he's busy enough. So let, let, let's pray. Can I share a scripture? Yeah, God sure. God brought this to my mind before this week. It says, it is God. It's from Psalm 118. Or Psalm 18. It is God who arms me strength and victory. He my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for all the things that you accomplished by your obedience to the Father and by going to the cross and being raised victoriously. We thank you that you went even into the prisons to proclaim freedom, that you had won it, and we praise you, God that we can stand in your victory, that you have not left us powerless or helpless, that you have allowed us to share in your work, Jesus, to share in who you are, to share in your authority, and we praise you for that, God. I command now that anyone here that has suffered or uh, is suffering uh, from fear in any way or has anything to stir up uh, tonight, we command fear's power to be broken by the very name that we proclaim is conquered, the, all the power of the enemy and give us authority over it. We command fear to be banished and go right now. If there's a spiritual part to a person's fear, we command you to be bound, be exposed, and to leave them right now in the name of Jesus by the power of God. And we replace that now with the spirit that God has given, the spirit of love, of being secure in his love, a spirit of power, and of a sound mind. And we speak restoration to the mind in Jesus' name, and release the power that has uh, the same power in us that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that lives in us, and the love that conquers all things in Jesus' name. Lord, we worship you and thank you for who you are. We seal and secure everyone's here, forbid any retaliation against anyone, through anyone. Satan, we forbid you from using others or things external uh, to affect us in Jesus' name. We hide ourselves in the shadow of the Almighty, and according to the Word of God, because He loves us, He will watch over us, protect us, and satisfy us with a long life. Now, Lord, just as you said, will you command your angels concerning us to guard us in all of our ways. Lord, may it be that we're not ignorant, like your Word says, that we are actually, according to your Word, alert to the strategies, uh, being aware of those opportunities He will try to take or has taken. And Lord, bring to mind, as you promised, everything that Jesus taught us uh, about that by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, let your peace rule in our hearts and minds. We exalt you as Lord and declare your Lordship over all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
All right, you guys, thank you for being here, and we hope you can join us next month, same uh, week, second uh, Tuesday of the month, uh, Thursday of the month at, at 6.30, and you, you take some time to fill out those cards to be helped. The Lord needs you to uh, give something that you take to. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in to this special episode on the Kingdom Ministries podcast. Did you know we have an app? You can access all of our resources and even listen to this podcast all in one place. To download, please visit us at kingdomtools.org.